the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In the New Testament, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're described as fiery trials. But what does God tell us? They're just for a little while. The message of Scripture is that in the midst of life's fires, in the trials, in the struggles, in the testing times of life, God wants us to rise above the ashes. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus Christ like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhillchurch.com. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. As we worship together, certain songs move us. They stir us in our souls. And since its inception, that has been a song that has moved those who gather to worship while singing that song in a couple of different ways. Sometimes I've noticed there are folks that when that song is being sung, you know it is not well with your soul. And so it's hard to even sing along. It's hard to be a part if you've distanced yourself from God and as a result, things are not right within you. But for those that have walked through life's testing times, life's difficulties, the storms, the shipwrecks, and you felt God's sovereign hand of grace, that's a song that brings tears to the eyes. Because you're recognizing that in the midst of whatever you faced, it is well deep within your soul. The reality is that's a constant battle for those of us even who follow Christ. Because in this world, the Bible says, we will have trouble. Those are the words of Jesus. He said, in this world you have trouble, but have no fear. I have overcome the world. But it does remind us that in life, there's going to be difficult times. Peter put it this way, be aware that when the fiery trials comes, hang in there. Don't be surprised for they are with you just for a little while. Over the next several weeks, we're going to open God's word to the book of Job. And I'm going to bring a teaching series called From the Ashes because I believe God wants to help you no matter where you are in this journey through life's struggling times because we all have bad days. Several years ago, our family was really into American Idol, and we'd watch each week to see who got to stay and who had to leave. There was one particular year where when the person would leave each week, they would show video clips of their journey on the American Idol experience, and then they'd play a song called, So You Had a Bad Day. The words of the song say, you're standing in line just to hit a new low. You're faking a smile with a coffee to go. You tell me your life's been way offline. You're falling to pieces all the time because you had a bad day. You're taking one down. You sing a sad song just to turn it around. You say you don't know. Don't tell me a lie. You work on a smile and you go for a ride. 
you had a bad day. All of us have had those bad days, those tough times in life. I I recognize you're in one of three stages, every one of us in this room and everybody you know. You've either just come out of a bad day experience, you're in the middle of a bad day experience, or you're headed into one of those bad day experiences. Even little children understand what it's like to have a bad day. Heard about little Johnny who was shopping at his neighborhood grocery store. And he was looking at the laundry detergent and the grocer came up and said, Hey Johnny, how are you doing today? He said, good. He said, you looking for detergent? He said, yes, sir. He said, you have a lot of laundry to do? He said, no, not laundry. No, sir. He said, well, then why are you, why are you looking at laundry detergent? He said, because I need to wash my hamsters. And the grocer said, well, Johnny, you need to be careful. This really isn't designed for washing hamsters. In fact, this is very potent and has a lot of chemicals and this could kill your hamsters. Don't wash your hamsters with this. Johnny said, okay. And then he grabbed a box of laundry detergent and he paid for it and he went on his way. About a week later, Johnny came back into the store and he was shopping for candy and the grocer came up. He was just curious. He said, hey, Johnny, how are you doing today? He said, good. He said, how's your hamsters? He said, not good. They died. The grocer didn't want to have a, I told you so moment. He wanted to show sympathy. So he said, well, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss, but just out of curiosity, did, did you use the laundry detergent? Did, did the washing kill those hamsters? He said, oh no, sir. I did use the detergent and I washed them and they came out just fine. But it's when I put them in the dryer that we ran into a problem. <laughs> he said, apparently that gets really hot and they had to keep jumping over those hurdles and they just couldn't keep doing it. Some of us feel that way in our lives. We feel like we've been put through the washer, through the wringer of life. And just when we think we're getting out, barely we can move, we go into the heat, the dryer of life, and we're jumping hurdle after hurdle after hurdle, just thinking, can I make it through another bad day? And it's at that point we come to a place of decision. What will I do when I have a bad day? Charles Spurgeon, the great, British preacher said, I bear willing witness that I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than to anything else in my Lord's workshop. I sometimes question whether I've ever learned anything except through the rod. When my schoolroom is darkened, I see most. I, I think I would say that after 45 years, that I would do anything if I could have that time machine and go back and undo some of the things that have occurred in my life. If I could not have to walk through some of the trying, testing, struggling times in life, but I wouldn't give anything for what I learned in the darkened classroom of troubled times. In fact, that's something that distinguishes Christianity. We're told we can expect those times. I, I love what Tim Keller has said, while other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys for seeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows, tasting the coming joy. You know, when we have bad days, we're going to respond likely in one of three ways. Let me give those to you. Some of you, you've walked through a difficulty and, and you've walked out on God. You've thought, If there was a God, he would have protected me from this. Heaven was silent. You couldn't take it. And so you walked away. And you're here because you kind of kept a tether, but you've distanced yourself from God. 
Others, you didn't walk away, but boy, are you wrestling. Wrestle and worry to find you. You, you, you can't just let God handle it. And, and so you're wrestling through every step of life in your journey with God. I want to tell you today, there's a third way. You don't have to walk out on God. You don't have to wrestle with God. You can be drawn into the worship of God. And that's what happens in the life of this Old Testament character named Job. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Job. Yes, it's pronounced Job, not Job. Some of you just learned something for the very first time today. The book of Job, open your Bibles to the very middle. You'll find the book of Psalms. Take a hard left. The next book to the left that you'll find is Job. And Job tells a story about someone who suffered greatly. In fact, we know this from the New Testament description of Job. Listen to what it says in James 5 and verse 11. Behold, consider how blessed those are who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job or the patience, the perseverance of Job. And you've seen the purpose of the Lord. And the Lord is compassionate and merciful. As a matter of fact, I've noticed that I see people that they don't have a clue about what's in God's word. They may be secular in their religious thought but they know something about Job. They know that that Job had a bad day. In fact, you can kind of think of two things when you think of Job. Job is known for his trials and most people in the world know that this man named Job walked through a trying time in life. But don't miss this, Job is also known for his testimony. He's known for what he did in light of those trying times in life. And here's the deal. Same can be said of you and me. We're going to have trials. And when we come to life's end, those that know us best, they'll probably have conversations either loudly from the stage or quietly around the fried chicken about those trials we went through. Man, didn't she do good when she was battling this? Isn't it great how he endured all of this? We'll be known for those trials, but on that day, we'll also be known for how we handled, how we managed, what our testimony was in the midst of those trying times. I think that's why it's so good to look at the life of Job. Job describes his testimony. It can be summed up in a a number of verses that we find in this book, but one of those is in Job 19 and verse 23. For I know that my redeemer lives and at the last, He will stand upon the earth. You see, scripture says we are going to have the fiery times. We even have characters in the Old Testament who are thrown into the fiery furnace. And what does God tell us? God was there with them. In the New Testament, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're described as fiery trials. But what does God tell us? They're just for a little while. The message of scripture is that in the midst of life's fires, in the trials, in the struggles, in the testing times of life, God wants us to rise above the ashes. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Video of the message you're listening to is available when you click the watch tab at missionhillchurch.com. Thanks for sharing time with us and for sharing your financial gifts by clicking the Give button at missionhillchurch.com. And now, with more of today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. I hope you'll hang out here with us the next several weeks. Hope you'll journey along with me because there's a lot of truth we're going to find as we dig into some of the, the deeper aspects 
of Job's journey. Now today, I just want to introduce this. I want to kind of set the stage. In fact, if you've hung out here the whole time I've been here, some of these things I've told you before. I want to just give you kind of an outline of of what's going to happen in Job's life. I want you to see, but first I want you to understand why this is so important. First is obvious. As I mentioned, every one of us in here understands suffering. We've either suffered, (laughs) we are suffering, or whether we know it or not, we're headed to suffering. But we also turn on the TV or the internet or the newspaper and we see that there is suffering all around the world. We can open God's word if we're very deep in our faith and understand that if we want to be like Christ, we identify with him in our what? Sufferings. We can watch and read and and know that persecution and disease and disability and war and disaster and freak accidents are are all taking place in this world. And there's an enemy named Satan who desires to destroy our faith. We can look at natural disasters that occur. Things like hurricanes, tornadoes and floods, earthquakes. and, And we can see how every time that happens, somebody out there is trying to see where is God in all of this. We all know somebody who has rejected God in the midst of suffering in their own life. And probably most of us here today understand that our God is wise, he's good, he's absolute, he's sovereign. And he gives us the opportunity to say with confidence, though Satan meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. So with that in mind, I want to dive in and I I want you just to understand a basic principle before we get started. Throughout life, you're going to face circumstances, circumstances that'll leave you with choices. And when those times come, you get to choose how you will respond. Will you wallow in pain or will you worship through pain? That's the big idea today. God wants to bring you to a point where you can worship even through your pain. That's what happened in Job's life. When his life fell apart, he fell to his knees. Now, I want to tell you the end of the story, and then we'll go back to the beginning. The end of the story is found in verse uh, 20 of chapter 1. It says, then Job arose, he tore his robe, he shaved his head, he fell on the ground, and he worshiped. And he said this, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. How to worship through our pain when we have a bad day. Let me pray with you and then I want to read God's word to you. Father, I know that right here in this room, there's somebody deep in the throes of much more than a bad day. They're in one of those testing times, the struggles of life, and they need your intervention. Lord, we recognize even as we read this story that your intervention may just mean your grace, your peace, to persevere. But Lord, I pray as you do and as only you can do that you see every soul in this room and that you give us receptivity to your ways today. Lord, that our ears and our eyes would receive your word, that our heart and our mind would receive your will and that when the time comes, we'll respond accordingly. And God, I do pray, Lord, that the words I say and even my thoughts would please you for you are my strength, you're my only hope, You are the one who has redeemed me and giving me life from the ashes. And for that, I'm grateful. And I ask this in your name. 
Amen. Job chapter one, beginning in verse one. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Now, what we're about to read is his resume. And the first part of his resume deals with his relationship with God. And what a relationship that is. Notice this because we're going to hear it again and again. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God and he turns away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep. That's 1,000 sheep for every son. 3,000 camels. That's 1,000 camels for every daughter. 500 yoke of oxen. That's 500 yoke of oxen for his wife. And then 500 female donkeys that he got to keep for himself. Very many servants so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Now his sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day. In other words, on his birthday, they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would sin and consecrate them and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. This is where we're meeting this man. What an interesting man he is. You know, I, have you ever been to a Rays game and, and notice at the Tampa Bay Rays when the players go out on the field, when they go up to bat, there's a song that's kind of their song that's played. I've kind of thought, man, it'd be cool if when I got up to preach, my song would come on, but that's just never worked out that way for me. Sometimes you see that in, in, a, in a movie or a television show when someone walks onto the screen, a, a certain kind of music plays. I, I want you to know if this were a, a recorded version of scripture, before you begin to hear this description of who, who Job is, you would hear his song. And you know what a song would be? It'd be this song right here. What a man, what a man, what a man, what a man, what a mighty fine man. I mean, because, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, this guy was the bomb. I mean, he was everything. Just think about it. Think about, first of all, his testimony. That's a great place to start. His faith. He had a great faith. Think of those words that we repeated a moment ago. He was blameless. Now, blameless doesn't mean sinless. He wasn't sinless, but he was sincere in their faith, in his faith. We know he wasn't sinless because we know there's none of us that are sinless. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, his mark, his intention. And so that's good news and bad news for you today. The good news is you're in it with the rest of us and God made a way. But the bad news is every one of us are sinners. But we have the ability to be blameless like Job. What does that mean? We can live our life so sincere in our faith that every day when we go to bed, we know, hey, there's no blame that can be cast against me. I've laid it all before Jesus. My relationships with others are right. My relationship with God is right. To the best of my ability, I'm walking according to his word and his will and his way. What in the world would it look like if just those of us who called the name of Christ would say, God, help me to live a holy and blameless life? Just interesting. He was blameless. He was upright. That means he did what was right. And we tell our children regularly, it's always right to do right. Blameless was what he was. Upright was what he did. His character preceded his conduct. Isn't that interesting? Same thing's true of me and you. What happens outwardly is directly influenced by what's going on in here. And so some of you are here today, 
I don't mean to meddle, but some of us have got some junk going on privately that nobody knows about. But he knows about it. And one day, those character issues will become conduct issues. We see this often among public leaders. So it's not unusual. We see it among preachers. We see it among politicians. We, we see it upon, uh, uh, among stars, those who are public. It doesn't mean it happens anymore in those settings. It just means they're public. But what happens? Their talent takes them where their character can't keep them. And so the character is overwhelmed and their conduct begins to falter. Not with Job. He was upright. He was blameless. He was upright. And then he feared God. Man, I'm so glad we live in a day where we've recognized that you can come to God uh, regardless of the length of your hair or regardless of how you're dressed or or regardless of of the kind of music that you like. the, The way you come to God in relation to those things doesn't matter. But I'm afraid that we've come to a day where we've forgotten what it was like to fear and to have an awe and a respect and a reverence of God. All and fear and reverence of God is, a, is not about what I wear or about how I look. It's an attitude of my heart. And if God to you is just buddy, buddy that you check in with sometime or, or somebody that's like a distant relative that occasionally you see how he's doing, if that's who God is to you, if you don't have a holy fear and an awesomeness when you come to God, then something is broken spiritually. Love Oswald Chambers. He says, when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you feel everything else. For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And as we talk about suffering times, just the facts. Some of you have walked walked through some deep pain. And that pain has left you at a place where now you're controlled by fear. And that's not fear of God. And that's not okay. He was blameless. He was upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. And that mean when he was walking down the street back then, just like today, and he saw things that could have pulled him aside as he was tempted, you know what he did? He tucked tail and run. He went the other way. What would happen if we just wake up every day and say, God, give me the strength today by your grace just to shun evil. To not look at what I shouldn't look at. To not say what I shouldn't say. To not put in my body what I should not put in my body. To not do the things I should not do. Now, why is this important? Because God knows. Uh, We we think sometimes that we have a secret life and nobody knows. And here's the facts. You may be doing things that your parents, they don't have a clue that's going on. You may be living a life that your spouse, that your husband or wife doesn't know about. I would say if you've, been, if you've been married very long, probably your husband and wife has more idea than you think they do. But you may have secret sins in your life. But I want you to understand, our God is a God that knows nothing of these secrets. Listen to Psalm forty-four twenty-one. Would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. So simply it was saying is Job had a great faith. His life in the Old Testament, and and historians would say this may be the oldest book in the Bible. It may be one of the most oldest historical books ever written. And, And so this character about Job is saying way before Jesus, he had a life that resembled what in today we would call Christ likeness. 
Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, a Christian should be a striking likeness to Christ. Now here's a question for you. Who's telling us about Job's faith? It's God. It's God. We don't really know the author of these words of Job. But as you're going to see in just a minute, God himself gives this exact same description of Job. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis, an outreach of Mission Hill Church. If you're looking for answers to difficult questions or searching for a church home, you're invited to any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. Details and directions at missionhillchurch.com. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhillchurch.com and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhillchurch.com. Weekdays at 9 a.m. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk, a.m. 570 and 910.